these companions of the Qa'im, they also must be tested. And Imam al-Sadiq and the Imams from the Ahl-Bayt, uh, they mentioned that uh, the Qa'im would, uh, would test his companions and, and they swear in some hadith, by Allah, you'll be tested until you break like glass or you break like, like the breaking of, of, of clay. And some of them uh, would be able to come back from that breaking while others would apostate and never come back. My dear brother, Hamid Riza. Good to see you here. Good to see you, Father. Thank you. God bless you. So today we're going to uh, talk about the topic of the companions of the Qa'im. And it's an interesting topic, Hamid Riza, because uh, the narrations of Muhammad and the family of Muhammad, um, they speak uh, a lot about the companions of Rasulullah. Uh, uh, they speak about the disciples of Jesus Christ. Uh, they talk about the uh, companions of Moses and, and Jonah and, uh, and Lot and many of the other uh, prophets and messengers and imams that were sent to this earth. But uh, there's not as many narrations that are speaking about any of the companions of any of the previous prophets or messengers or imams as much as there are narrations that are speaking about the companions of the Qa'im. So there's this emphasis that's placed on them. Uh, all the imams are describing them and talking about them and praising them and wishing to be with them. Um, and, uh, and even there's narrations where Imam Sadiq and some of the other Imams, uh, when they were thinking about them and mentioning them to their companions, their, their eyes would be filled with tears and they would wish that they would be resurrected to live in that time. And they would, would, would be asked by their companions, why are you crying? Um, and, and the response would be that, uh, you know, and then the hadith would continue where they would describe uh, the trials and the tribulations and the hardships and the dedication and the good qualities that uh, these men have. And so their hearts would long uh, to be with them. Uh, the companions of the Qa'im are also mentioned in the Quran indirectly. But yet directly uh, in many of the uh, verses, uh, according to the interpretations uh, of the Ahl-Bayt and, and so uh, the verse of the Quran, for example, where it states, wherever you are, God shall gather you all together. And the Ahl-Bayt say that this verse is directly talking about, although it doesn't explicitly mention in the Quran, the companions of the Quran, that phrase, but the Ahl-Bayt say that this verse came down about the companions of the Qa'im, that uh, God gathers them like he gathers the, uh, the leaves in the fall. Um, they'll all be gathered for the companion, uh, the, for the Qa'im in one hour. All right. And uh, there are also interpretations uh, in the stories of the prophets and the messengers 
where for example when when lot salam, uh, had the he was hosting the angels in his house and the people of Sodom and Gomorrah are trying to break down uh, his house and bust in in order uh, to rape and attack the angels. A lot is trying to fin them off, and uh, he's not able to. They're about ready to bust down the door. And so Lot's, you know, he, he, he says in this verse that he wishes uh, that he had this strong corner uh, and this power, this strength that he could uh, lean on and depend on. And uh, in the interpretations of the Ahl Bayt, the strong corner and, and the might, the power uh, that he was speaking about, that he was wishing for, was actually that he wished for uh, the companions of the Qa'im uh, to be with him. Right, uh, he wished for companions that were as dedicated for them. He wished that they were actually given to him by God, and uh, their number uh, is described in the traditions of the Ahl Bayt and Salam as being three hundred and thirteen men, and also fifty women, and they are described as being actually the first group uh, that go into paradise uh, in the in the end and that as they're passing in front of all of the other nations and all of the other people that are being judged by um, God, everybody looks at them and they see these men and women that have shining faces and they, they swear that they are um, that they are all a group of prophets uh, that are going forward. And, and they are described as um, being extremely dedicated and having qualities of belief that other companions that came before uh, did not have. Uh, for example, in the time of Imam Sadiq, uh, there was a guy from his Shia that came forward. And I think you know this story. Uh, why don't you uh, share the story with us when uh, there was a man, uh, he came from uh, Persia, right? Yes, and he described, uh, go ahead. Yeah, so there was a man from, um, I think, uh, Khurasan that traveled all the way from Iran to uh, meet uh, Imam Sadiq. And um, when he met Imam Sadiq, uh, peace be upon him, he was telling him that, oh, Imam, uh, you have many of the Shias waiting for you. They want to give victory uh, to you and they want to support you. And Imam Sadiq, uh, peace be upon him, he was just listening to him. So uh, uh, as Imam Sadiq, peace be upon him, was listening, one of the companions, one of the close companions of Imam Sadiq entered. And he said, Assalamu alaikum, Imam. And then uh, while Imam, peace be upon him, was in conversation with this uh, Persian uh, um, follower of him, while they were in the middle of conversation, Imam, peace be upon him, he didn't even reply to his salam alaikum. He just told him uh, there is, uh, because they were uh, cooking uh, and uh, making bread on fire. He said to him, just go jump into the fire without any... Uh, uh, any more details or explanation or anything else. And that com close companions, uh, companion of Imam, without a hesitation, he just jumped into the fire and he sat in the fire while Imam, peace be upon him, was talking to this man from Khurasan. So this man was uh, in shock and uh, he was amazed and he couldn't uh, hold it anymore. And he asked Imam, peace be upon him, um, 
what's the what's the story behind this? What happened with this man? So Imam Sadr asked him, you know, those Shia that you are mentioning who are with you, are they as great as this man? So the man from Khurasan replied, no, Imam, by Allah, they are not like him. So Imam, peace be upon him, said, he said, yes, so um, these uh, uh, companions of mine, the close ones, they are like this. And those that you are saying, they are not like Shias. They are lovers. They love me, but they are not as dedicated as him. So that's the incident that happened with Imam Sadiq. So Sadr. this man that uh, Imam Sadiq, he commands to go in the furnace yes. uh, and sit in the fire. He does so and he's not burnt. It's like considered to be this... Um, miracle yes. uh, that takes place and the point that Imam Sadiq is trying to make is that and what he says to him is basically if I have 313 companions because the guy from Khorasan was saying you have all these followers you know why don't you rise against injustice you know why don't you step up and take charge of the Muslim Ummah you have yes. thousands of followers and, and tens of thousands of, of supporters that will support you and Imam Sadiq was saying, look, uh, we have lovers, but we don't have people that are as obedient to us, that would not question us. The quality that he was trying to point out, that the 313 companions of the Qa'im have that they don't have, is that uh, they are... Uh, the, the 313 are willing to risk their lives and they have total and um, uh, blind obedience uh, to the companion of the matter to the point that uh, they would be willing to throw themselves into destruction uh, for the sake of uh, their obedience and their trust and their love in the imam. And the narrations of the Ahlul Bayt describe the 313 companions of the Qa'im as being more obedient to him than a wife is to her husband or uh, a bondswoman, uh, a slave woman is to her master. Uh, and so there's this relationship uh, between these companions and the Qa'im where they're, they're, they're married to the Qa'im, they're married to the faith, they're married to um, God and they're willing uh, to do anything uh, for his sake. And uh, there's traditions that uh, speak about how uh, they uh, all night long they don't sleep, uh, they stay up. Um, uh, and uh, they're worshiping God and and thinking about God and uh, they sound like bees and during the day they're like lions that are uh, that are out uh, doing their different works. Um, their hearts, according to the narrations, are like iron. Uh, each and every one of them has the strength of forty men. Um, and this is not talking about physical strength. It's talking about uh, you know spiritual strength, the faith, uh, the faith of forty true believers. Uh, each and every one of the Qa'im's uh, companions uh, has that that amount of faith, where uh, they rarely ever doubt. Uh, in in anything, uh, although they do doubt in some things, but we're going to um, come to that. And uh, these these companions um, uh, of the Qa'im, uh, in many of the narrations, they're described as being uh, previous prophets and messengers that returned in that time. And and so there's a lot of narrations that speak about how. Um, 
the prophets before uh, they passed away or even uh, during their lifetime uh, they received visions uh, god spoke to them about the time where justice would fill the earth and the time of the cotton and his companions and uh, when they when they saw that and they heard about that uh, they wished and they longed that God resurrect them in order that they uh, appear in that time. Uh, even the Imam Sadiq uh, in one narration, he's crying and he's he's asking, uh, you know, and, and telling his companions that basically, uh, if he was uh, to live in the time of the Qa'im, that he would serve him all of the days of his life. Uh, there's uh, other narrations which are speaking about uh, a prophet by the name of Ismail, the son of Ezekiel, and how this this particular prophet was attacked and killed by uh, his people. And the method in which they killed him was that they basically skinned him alive. And so uh, as they were skinning him alive, uh, one of the angels of the punishment, Satatail, comes down and speaks to, um, you know, speaks to Ismail and, and tells him, Oh, prophet of God, uh, God sent me down here. Uh, you know, I'm at your command. Uh, let me know and I will, you know, just command me. Uh, raise your finger and I will wipe out uh, these disbelieving nations. Any wish that you have, I'm at your service. And uh, Ismail uh, decides uh, to uh, send the angel back to God and tell him that he only has one wish. And that wish is that God makes him come back in the uh, time of the Qa'an. And so the narrations of the Ahl Bayt they describe that when the Qa'an comes, that he has with him uh, these prophets and messengers. Um, that have returned and this is not a strange thing for we find also uh, in the Bible as Jesus is walking around uh, with his disciples there's the scene that takes place which is called the transfiguration of Christ and and he's with his companions and he stands there and he you know uh, basically put stretches his arms out and he reveals uh, his true form which is that of light and all of a sudden his companions see manifest on his right side and on his left side are uh, two prophets that weren't there before uh, Moses and Elijah and and so it shows that uh, these spirits these souls of the prophets and the messengers you know they longed to be uh, with these great characters that would uh, establish uh, justice and just as they appeared in the spirit uh, with Jesus, the narrations of Muhammad and the family of Muhammad state that all of the prophets and the messengers um, uh, that wish to come back with the cotton, which is pretty much all of them, uh, would return, uh, but this time not in the spirit, uh, but rather uh, in the flesh. And the narrations state that they would uh, come out of their, their graves and that they would uh, be around him. And not just the prophets and the messengers, but also the, the companions uh, and the judges that uh, existed before. And one narration mentions that with the cotton would be Maqdad and would be Joshua, son of Noon, and would be the seven sleepers from the cave. God would resurrect all of them uh, to accompany uh, the cotton and support him on his mission.
the narrations uh, of the Ahl Bayt mentioned that the Qa'im would have two groups of people uh, that would support him. Uh, one is these 313 very close companions and, uh, and a larger group, this larger circle of 10,000 uh, individuals. And that it's not just the prophets and messengers that wish to come with him, but rather uh, the angels uh, from above. And it's mentioned in the narrations that the, the thousands of angels that supported the Prophet of Allah in the Battle of Badr, that they too uh, come down and they're uh, resurrected. They become human beings. They're born and they live with and they get martyred with. Um, the Qa'im and his companions, um, also the angels that were that were with Jesus when he was raised to God, those ones too uh, come down and support, as well as the angels that were with Moses when he uh, split the sea, and the angels that uh, were with Abraham and were, were his companions in the fire. So all of these angels they come down. And it even states that the the Qa'im has on his right Gabriel, and on his left he has Michael, and some narrations state that Gabriel's on the forefront of his army, while My Michael's at the very end of his army. Um, and uh, there's other narrations that mention that Israfil is standing behind the Qa'im, and Israfil is this angel that was mentioned um, in the narrations as being uh, extremely, extremely huge uh, in nature. And the Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi saw him, uh, you know, or Gabriel, when he was with Gabriel, Gabriel sees him one time, and he says that this angel never comes down except in the uh, the end of time, and even Gabriel was terrified um, uh, of him. And so he comes down uh, with the uh, Qa'im. Uh, other narrations even mention that you know, Rasulullah and Imam Ali السلام, and other members of the Ahl Bayt, uh, peace be upon them, that they are also uh, all with the Qa'im. Uh, the jinn that was with the companions uh, of the cave, uh, that is mentioned in the in the Quran as striking terror uh, into the hearts of the enemies. Uh, this jinn also, and many other of the of the uh, jinn are with the Qa'im and, and and his companions, and they strike terror. And the narration state that uh, people months ahead of him and uh, and that live uh, months away from where the Qa'im and his companions are, that they feel. Um, this terror from their approach. Um, the Qa'im's companions are described as being mostly youth, um, and it specifically states that uh, there will be very few uh, old people that are over the age of 65 that are counted as being uh, part of the 313. Uh, that there's so few, uh, the narration describes them as being like salt uh, on a plate of food, and that there's nothing, uh, you know, more invisible and less than uh, salt on a on a meal, uh, or smaller than salt on a meal. And so, uh, the majority of the people that become attracted to the Qa'im and uh, have enough determination to follow him are young people. 
And uh, some traditions also narrate um, that the Qa'im's companions uh, have very few Arabs amongst them. Uh, some narrations state that even at a certain time uh, of the Qa'im's life, like there's no Arabs that emerge with them. Uh, other narrations state that there are some Arabs, but that there are few. And uh, they break them down into three groups as being uh, the chosen ones from Egypt and the Abdel uh, from Sham and also as being the best uh, of Iraq. Uh, the best of the Iraqis are uh, also uh, with the Qa'im and that uh, and the narration state that the companions of the Qa'im there's something really special about them that never happened uh, with any other Imam or Prophet or Messenger and that is that uh, they come from all of the nations and from all of the peoples uh, of the world and that they they actually at one point they traveled to him uh, they come to him flying through the clouds um, and uh, they're commanded uh, by the Ahlul Bayt the Shia, all of them, the believers are commanded that when, when the people hear about the call of the Qa'im, uh, that they come to know that he is present, they're commanded uh, by the Imams from the Ahlul Bayt to, to reach him. Uh, so much so that uh, even if they, were ha they had to crawl over ice, and this idea of them having to crawl over ice uh, you know, it's kind of a, a secret or indicative of the fact that, you know, he would, uh, his da'wah would begin in uh, countries, he'd start calling people over while he is in countries that uh, have snow in them. And uh, it the, 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 there are many du'as even from the Ahl Bayt, which the Shia are commanded to read, and I'm sure you, you are aware of many of them, uh, where the Shia uh, is, is making du'a that God brings him out of his grave uh, when the Qa'im uh, appears. And there's narrations that state that every single true believer um, will have the opportunity to, to choose between one of two things. Everybody that's ever waited uh, during their life and waiting for the Qa'im is, is described in the narrations as being the, um, the best deed that a follower of the Ahl Bayt could do. And uh, they're giving this, so the angels come to them in their grave, all those who had waited but passed away before uh, the appearance of the cotton, the angels come to them and he gives them, the angel will give them the, the choice while they're in their grave. Uh, the angels say to them, your companion has appeared, meaning the cotton. And so God is sending you salams and he's telling you, if you would like, you can rest, um, you know, in the blessings, uh, uh, you know, uh, that you're in right now, or you can choose to uh, be resurrected. Um, and so all of the true Shia, they choose to uh, be resurrected and to come back into the earth and support uh, the Qa'im. And that ends up culminating uh, in the Qa'im having, uh, you know, uh, like the Bible mentions, 144,000 companions um, that he has, that he appears with uh, on Mount Zion. 
and uh, these companions, all of them, uh, they are angels, they are uh, prophets and messengers, they're all the prophets and messengers that appeared before, as well as all of those true believers that reached the rank of prophethood or reached the rank of being a true Shia uh, from the time of Muhammad until the time of the appearance of the Qa'im. Uh, the Qa'im, uh, his close uh, companions that are uh, that consist of 313, uh, they're more special uh, than the greater circle of 10,000. And that is because they are tested with, um, you know, knowledge and things that uh, nobody is able to handle. And, and, and uh, even the narrations, they mention this and they put emphasis uh, on this, that the cotton, because he comes and he spreads uh, knowledge uh, that nobody has ever heard before. And so uh, the narrations state that from the time of Adam until now, only two parts of knowledge were spread, two letters of knowledge were spread uh, to the world. That's the culmination of all of the knowledge, you know, religious knowledge and other knowledge. Uh, you know, anything, science, uh, physics, uh, biology, chemistry, everything that was spread to the people from Adam until now. This only represents two parts of 28 parts. And the Qa'im, he spreads amongst the people those two parts and adds to them 25 other parts for a total of 27 uh, letters or uh, parts of knowledge, while there is a 28th letter that nobody else can handle and he keeps it uh, to himself. Um, and the 29th or the final part of knowledge is something which even God can't share uh, with him or with anybody else. And so there are these incidents that take place where uh, in order for God's justice to be, uh, you know, uh, to be real, and uh, the, these these companions of the cotton, they also must be tested, right? And they can't just uh, have a free ride or else why uh, would it be that they have such a great uh, status and place with God uh, if they weren't tested? And so anytime somebody's born into the world, uh, they enter into the test once again. And Imam Sadiq and the Imams from the Ahl-Bayt, uh, they mentioned that uh, the Qa'im would, uh, would test his companions and, and they swear in some hadith, by Allah, you'll be tested until you break like glass or you break like, like the breaking of, of, of clay. And some of them uh, would be able to come back from that breaking while others would apostate and never come back. Uh, there's narrations that mention that the companions of the cotton would be sifted until nothing remains except for uh, the pure, true believers that God is, um, you know, uh, confident and knows that these true ones, when they do have a state that they would never uh, oppress anybody and they would never, um, you know, try to do some of the things that were uh, done before by those in power, which is, um, you know, try to rule in order to obtain uh, worldly things like uh, money or this or that. Um, so it has to be the purest of the pure. And so they go through these trials and tribulations, and most of them uh, consist of the Qa'im sharing with them parts of knowledge uh, and, and then their acceptance, their ability to accept 
this knowledge or reject it. This is um, what determines what their rank uh, is. And uh, so there's narrations that state that Moses, he spoke to his people uh, a hadith and that it was uh, a certain saying uh, and it was so heavy and that uh, his companions went out against him uh, in Egypt and they fought Moses and he fought back uh, and he killed them. And there is another, and, and, and then when Jesus came, he also spoke to his companions a hadith in Tikrit, and they couldn't handle it. And they went out and rebelled against him, and he fought against them, and he killed them. And then it says, and in the time of the Qa'im, he too will speak to his companions a hadith that will be uh, extremely heavy, and they will go out against him, and they will fight him, and uh, they will, uh, and, and the cotton will fight them, and then he will kill them, and that will be the last time that anybody uh, ever uh, rebels against the um, against the cotton. Um, and there are other narrations that state that at one point in time the cotton will gather his companions, and he'll give this speech, and 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 he'll pull out this. Uh, this letter that is sealed by the Prophet of Allah and he'll proceed to read it. And after he reads it, nobody remains from his companions except for 12. All of the rest of them will run away from him and flee away from him like the fleeing of sheep uh, when they're trying to escape a wolf. Uh, they'll be terrified and that they'll go all over the world um, and they won't find any other religion, any other truth. They won't find anything else to believe in uh, or any, any, any man that was greater than the man that they were with and the religion that they were upon. And, and so they end up in the end coming back. And so we find that some companions, they apostate uh, forever. And uh, the narrations from the Ahl Bayt say that even if God caused, even if, if all of the people had left or went away from the Qa'im, that his companions would be preserved for him. And uh, this is because uh, those souls of the prophets and the messengers, um, they, uh, when they're resurrected and they come back into this world, they descend upon uh, believers uh, that are, uh, believing in the da'wah of the Qa'im and uh, any of them that fail, uh, these souls of these righteous prophets and messengers, um, you know, these angels would simply uh, transmigrate into a, uh, another individual. So they would be traded and, uh, and uh, switched out. And uh, so, uh, and then they would come up upon uh, or descend upon uh, the bodies and the hearts of other individuals who are more sincere. And in that way, uh, even if all of the people apostate, the companions of the Qa'im are always preserved. He will always have with him Gabriel and Michael. He will always have with him the prophets and the messengers. Uh, because even if they were in one body um, and the individual uh, because of his self uh, was unable to handle something and he runs away the soul of Jacob or the soul of Isaac or the soul of Gabriel or uh, this angel or that angel would simply shift 
uh, into a new body and that new body would come and the and would look at the faces and he would recognize uh, them by the soul and this is a Another thing which is special about the companions of the of the Qa'im is that uh, they go back to um, this this thing that was opened by the Prophet of Allah when he began uh, in Islam to pair between the believers and he caused at one point for a small period of time that the individual inherit um, from his brother in the soul world rather than his physical brother. And the same thing takes place in the time of the Qa'im where they are, there are these relationships that are established, this brotherhood, sisterhood, this family uh, that is built uh, by the Qa'im that's, that's based on uh, the relationship that the souls have with one another. And the topic of the soul world is, is an episode that we're going to be speaking about uh, later this week inshallah um, and uh, and uh, so yeah this is uh, this is uh, the the um, in short the the aspect of the apostasy of some of the companions of the Qa'im who end up being switched out uh, with others uh, except for those 12 and uh, those uh, 12 they uh, remain firm and there's other incidents like we spoke about where uh, the com the other companions with the exception of those 12 uh, they apostate uh, but later on uh, they end up coming back to the to the Qa'im and uh, their ranks are rearranged uh, several times there's one time where uh, the Qa'im uh, comes upon the grave of Rasulullah and he begins to demolish uh, that masjid and uh, the moment when he demolishes that masjid uh, the or begins to demolish the masjid uh, the skies go dark and lightning and thunder happens and the winds are blowing in every which direction and the companions uh, fear strikes their hearts and they believe that they believe that uh, that the reason why this the sky is getting dark and all of this is taking place is because God's angry uh, with the Qa'im uh, demolishing the or trying to demolish the uh, gravesite of the of the Prophet of Allah, and so uh, they all run away. And this is one of those incidents where where even the twelve don't remain. Every single one of them uh, remain uh, or run away. And uh, then the Qa'im is the only one who's left, and he continues to break away uh, at it and demolish it. And then all of the companions, uh, they when they see that he is not being hurt or struck by lightning. Um, they realize that they made a mistake by running away and then they run back uh, to the Qa'im. And the narration states that on that day, uh, their rank with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is determined by who ran back the first, you know. So the first one to run back is better than the second and the second is better than the third. And that is uh, their ranking uh, with God. And so the 313... Um, the difference between them also and the larger group of companions of the 10,000 is that the 10,000 kind of serve as his, his physical army. And they're likened to the army of Joshua, son of Nun. Um, they have the ability when they're 
passing by certain cities just by chanting the name of God or making takbir, um, that the power of their faith uh, causes uh, cities to become demolished uh, like Jericho. And, uh, and uh, they have even the ability because of their high level of certitude to walk on water. And that when some of the enemy armies uh, witness the companions, uh, the 10,000 uh, of the, uh, uh, the Ansar of the Qa'im walking on water, they say, oh my God, if they are like that and they're just his army, uh, then what is he like himself? And so they just, oh, cities just open up and allow them uh, to come through and, uh, and uh, open them up. Uh, and the 313, however, uh, they are uh, meant to be the leaders and the rulers, the governors of the different uh, regions, um, you know, uh, after the Qa'im uh, establishes a divine just state. So the 313 are rulers, the 10,000 are more like warriors, and the uh, 12 um, are the closest companions and the advisors uh, to the uh, to the Qa'im, and they're always by his side. They never leave his side, and uh, they're known by that. Uh, anybody will always, uh, whoever meets the Qa'im, he'll always notice that these 12 are always uh, remaining by his side. They never go asleep and go to sleep unless he goes to sleep. Uh, there's not a place that he goes except that they are uh, stuck to him. And uh, in the same manner that uh, the disciples of, of Jesus were uh, around him at all times. Uh, these ones are also uh, around him, and they, they're they pretty much the best of the uh, returned prophets and messengers um, that had ever lived. And uh, the... And out of the 313, uh, many of them end up getting martyred uh, during the events of the rise. Uh, so they start off as 313, uh, but uh, they only, by the time there's a, a state that is established, only 133 of them uh, remain um, alive. And it's those 133 from the 313 uh, that end up being the uh, governors uh, and the rulers. Um, the companions uh, of the Qa'im and the Qa'im himself are actually nonviolent people. Uh, and they uh, had no ambitions, desires, plans to um, uh, fight anybody uh, physically. Uh, rather, they were sent as great teachers, and uh, the and it was uh, the, the the great battle of Armageddon uh, is a battle uh, for souls. It is a spiritual. Uh, battle in the first degree. And the sunnah of the Qa'im is the same sunnah uh, of the Ahlul Bayt of Imam Ali, uh, of Imam al Hussein, of the Prophets and the Messengers. And, and none of them uh, initially were sent uh, to fight any nation, uh, but only to uh, preach and call towards uh, the truth. And the narrations are very clear about that. And, and uh, uh, just like Imam al-Hussein uh, when he, you know, before, during the event of Karbala, uh, he first goes forward and he, he uh, sends forward uh, his messenger uh, to uh, speak to the people 
and uh, advise them and several messengers actually uh, and uh, talk sense to them and ask them to uh, you know come to the discussion table um, and they respond to the preaching uh, with arrows that are poisoned that uh, strike the uh, members of the Ahl Bayt and they respond with violence uh, just like Imam Ali salam. Uh, before he fought any of the Muslims, uh, he first sent forward a messenger uh, that was holding the Quran in order to call them to that which the Quran uh, is preaching. And they end up killing that companion and, and destroying uh, that Quran that he was carrying. Uh, the same thing happens with the Khan and his companions. Uh, they are preaching. And the narrations uh, state that they are uh, calling the nations uh, to uh, that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, had commanded. And uh, they face in return at some point uh, violence and uh, transgressions take place uh, against uh, the people. And, and uh, the companions of the Imam, uh, many of them are killed. And after a particular soul is killed called uh, Nafsi Zakiyah, um, and he is uh, martyred, um, this causes uh, the Qa'im and his companions to decide that they have no other option uh, but to defend themselves and uh, and to take vengeance uh, not only for that blood that was spilt uh, but for uh, the blood of all of the prophets and the messengers uh, and the Ahl Bayt that was spilt before and that uh, becomes the beginnings of the physical rise and opens up the chapter um, for the, the many narrations that describe the physical conquests uh, of the uh, Imam and his companions where he's fighting against uh, the army of the Sufiani and he's fighting against um, um, other people uh, that uh, attack them. Uh, so he rises in self-defense and God takes out mercy from his heart and the hearts of uh, his companions and they uh, become uh, extremely brave and uh, they become uh, extremely harsh uh, with the uh, enemies uh, after that but it's all in uh, self-defense and uh, the Qa'im and his companions they uh, also uh, as they're traveling uh, from one location uh, to another uh, they bring out of the earth uh, all of the former relics of the prophets and the messengers. And so uh, the imam will, will, will come forward and he has with him uh, the ring of Solomon and he has with him the staff of Moses and uh, they bring forward the Ark of the Covenant uh, whereby the Jews will recognize that uh, the Qa'im really is uh, the person who is appointed by God. Um, and uh, the other nations and the other faiths will also, uh, many of them will recognize uh, the Qa'im and, and go underneath uh, his banner. And not just him, but also the former prophets and messengers that now uh, their spirits entered into these uh, companions that are with the Qa'im, they also 
end up uh, bringing forth uh, out of the ground finding uh, being given by uh, the Qa'im their former uh, relics and things that belong to them. The earth uh, spits forward uh, all those things that the prophets and the messengers hid uh, until this particular day. And some of the other prophets and messengers like Jacob and other than them, they will also uh, come forward bringing uh, relics that uh, used to belong to them. And it's not just uh, them that are uh, returned uh, souls, but also the narration state that the 50 women that are with the Qa'im, uh, that they too uh, uh, have in them, and they too are returned uh, souls of uh, great women like Sumaya, the first martyr uh, in Islam, uh, like uh, like uh, Asya and like uh, Esther and all of the great women that had ever lived, they too end up uh, coming back and being uh, with the Qa'im and his companions and spreading the message and being in the wars with him and uh, taking care of, of the next generation uh, of believers. And and so we see that uh, they are um, had the promised nation uh, that was mentioned, and they are uh, those who were meant by the verse in the Quran uh, that says, and وَنُرِيدُ أَنَّ مُنَّ عَلَى الَّذِينَ اسْتُدْعِفُوا فِي الْأَرْضِ وَنَجْعَلَهُمْ أَئِمَّةً وَنَجْعَلَهُمْ الْوَارِثِينَ And we want to bestow our blessings upon uh, those who are oppressed in the in land and make them imams and make them the inheritors that this verse is about uh, the uh, Qa'im and his companions, uh, those prophets and messengers who were commanded by God uh, before uh, to serve humanity and spread justice and equity and establish the just jurisprudence of God on the earth. And they weren't able to do so uh, in those times because they were oppressed. God wishes to bestow upon them uh, his favor and make them come back uh, with the Qa'im so that they can establish those jurisprudences that they weren't able to before. And that is one of the reasons that we find uh, the narrations of the Ahl Bayt mentioning uh, that the Qa'im uh, rules by the rule of David and that uh, one narration states that at one point he'll rule by the jurisprudence of Adam and then he'll rule by the jurisprudence of Abraham and then he'll rule by the jurisprudence of of uh, Moses and then he'll he'll rule by the jurisprudence of Jesus and then he'll rule by the jurisprudence of Muhammad because all of those jurisprudences that had come down and we know that uh, there were uh, six covenants that came down before um, and that is the covenant with Adam, the covenant with Noah, the covenant with Abraham, with Moses, with Jesus, and with Muhammad. Uh, except that those covenants uh, and the jurisprudence that came with it that were not able uh, uh, you know, to fully have been practiced and implemented and those prophets were oppressed and so they get a chance to implement those so the Qa'im will go by certain nations and he will um, you know depending on on what it is that their faith or their belief is he will implement fully uh, that jurisprudence and appoint over them uh, their prophets and messengers that had came before so he might uh, 
you know, go to a group of Christians and he will uh, establish amongst them, he won't rule them by the Islamic Sharia, uh, but he'll rule them, uh, so there might be like a city of Christians that is within a Muslim country, uh, and they don't want to practice uh, Islamic Sharia, right? Because they're not Muslims, the Qa'im won't rule them by that which you know, they don't believe in. He'll rule them by their own Sharia, because that is a true Sharia that also uh, came from God. Uh, and so he'll rule them by their own books, and he'll appoint over them as a ruler, uh, for example, Simon Peter, or he might uh, appoint uh, over them uh, their Messiah, Jesus, uh, the son of Mary, or, or any of the uh, disciples or apostles or the companions of the cave or anybody who had uh, died uh, upon uh, that jurisprudence. Uh, and he might appoint over uh, the the Israelites, the Jews, he might appoint over them Moses or David or Solomon, or those prophets and messengers would be governors of different uh, districts or, or, or regions, um, and they will rule the Jewish people by the jurisprudence of Moses, but they'll rule it as it was meant, uh, they'll rule by it as it, as it was meant to be uh, established and, and, and implemented. Uh, he might go to uh, some parts of Africa that, uh, you know, the people in there, uh, they don't know anything about Judaism or Christianity or Islam, and their, their way of living is, is very simple. And uh, he will rule over them by the jurisprudence of Adam, uh, you know, because they are the sons of Adam. And uh, a very simplistic uh, jurisprudence or the uh, jurisprudence of Noah, uh, etc. So you get the idea. And the Muslims who, who rule over them by the jurisprudence of uh, Muhammad in its true meaning and with, the, with its true justice and without the uh, corruption and the false interpretations and all of the darknesses uh, that have been added to his jurisprudence. Um, uh, that are not really uh, from it. And he comes with a new matter and a new book and a new covenant. Uh, and, and that's also what the uh, his companions are uh, trying to spread. Uh, but it is, it, is, it is a new one and it's not a new one. And, and, and this is clarified by the uh, narrations uh, of the Ahlbayt. And so the new book that he comes with is actually the book as it came down on the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu uh, The new jurisprudence is the, is the true and full and complete jurisprudence that was given to the Prophet Muhammad that the Prophet Muhammad was unable to spread and implement in his time due to the, to the uh, intellect and the consciousness of the people and the lack of true uh, supporters uh, that the Prophet and the Imams had uh, in their time. And so it is, uh, it's almost like the second half of the jurisprudence of Muhammad, or let's say the true jurisprudence uh, uh, of Muhammad, and it is the most uh, uh, complete and, and, uh, and uh, full. And uh, yeah, that in short is the story of the companions of the Qa'im. Is there anything that you would like to add? Subhanallah. Uh, thank you so much, Father, for everything you said. And it reminds me of this hadith where when Prophet Muhammad وسلم, was with his companions and he was talking to them and he was calling them my companions and my friends. And then uh, he said, and my brothers will be in the future. 
So the companions, they were a little bit like confused. They're like, what do you mean? We thought we are your brothers. And he said, my brothers are the companions of the time who will come in the future. And basically he was trying to tell them that they are closer to him and they are higher than like those people that were around Prophet Muhammad And he was also indicating that those uh, companions of the Qa'im were prophets and messengers uh, because uh, those prophets and messengers, you know, the, the, he says they, they, you know, you guys believed in me seeing me, they didn't see me. And, and that's a reference to the fact that all of the prophets and the messengers in the hadith, they heard about Muhammad and they believed in Muhammad and they looked forward to uh, Muhammad's coming and they were described by the prophet as being uh, his brothers because all the prophets and the messengers are brothers and that's why he says that in the end time uh, his, his, the companions of the Qa'im are his brothers while the people that were with him in his time uh, are his companions or his friends. Thank you so much, Father, for everything. Thank you so much. And I think there's just one last point that I uh, that I want to uh, mention here. And, and that is, okay, so what is then the, the duty um, yes. of the believers uh, who end up recognizing the Qa'im and believing in him? Uh, as we mentioned earlier, um, there's a command that they have that they have to come to him, uh, even if it is oh, crawling over ice or over snow. So uh, as soon as a believer finds out that the Qa'im and his companions are here, they are ordered and commanded uh, to do whatever is necessary, even if they have to break out of a box or, or a jail cell in order to uh, reach the, the companion uh, of the matter uh, and his companions and, uh, and uh, to be, uh, you know, and, and to be a support uh, for him and uh, for the matter which, which he carries and to be part of uh, that, that family which he is uh, establishing. Um, and there are also narrations that state that uh, when the when the when the cotton uh, appears, that he'll end up uh, making even money haram uh, amongst the uh, for the people, and uh, and that uh, nobody can end up uh, having money for their own selves anymore, but rather it ends up being. Uh, something which uh, has to be redistributed uh, in a just manner and an equal manner. And, and for that reason, you find that the Qa'im and his companions, uh, they live together. Uh, their goal is not material one. Uh, uh, they will sacrifice anything for one another. The narration state that his companions... Uh, and in that time, a believer can put his hand into the pocket of his fellow believer, meaning that all money and all things would be uh, shared uh, amongst one another. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and they continue to uh, grow and preach and become larger and become more influential uh, in a peaceful uh, matter, uh, not breaking the laws of the land, uh, until that day where uh, God wills that they rise because they were oppressed and because the people of the earth ended up taking against them uh, weapons and, and attempting to uh, kill them like they did against every other uh, prophet and messenger before. Yes. And um, uh, Father, um, 
have been with you and with the people who are around you for 12 years. And I can testify that you and the people around you are the best people that I have ever met in my entire life. And I don't think I will ever find anyone better than you and your people. And all praise is due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And thank you for everything, Father. And I testify that you were one of the first people uh, to respond to the call. And uh, you came out and uh, you believed in me uh, without um, me even, uh, and before I even knew my own self. Uh, so in, 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 in that way, you and those first group of people that came out were like uh, Khadija who believed in Rasulullah before he believed in his own self. And uh, you guys were with me all of these years. Uh, uh, from the time that we were just a handful, uh, a group of uh, youth that believed in God, like the companions of the cave. And uh, our, our uh, community has now grown uh, to where there are uh, hundreds of men, women, and children uh, that uh, live together and are part of this uh, great faith and are working to uh, spread justice and equality uh, to the nations. And there are thousands upon thousands of uh, believers uh, worldwide uh, from amongst the nations that have heard this call and have pledged allegiance to it and believed in the supremacy uh, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and await uh, the relief uh, that God gives to the earth. So God bless you and peace be upon you and peace be upon uh, your companions and, and mine on the day that they were born and the day that they die and the day that they will be resurrected inshallah. Uh, God bless you and thank you for everything that you guys have, have done and for your service towards God and His Messenger. I love you so much. I love you thank too. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs>